great philosopher of the internet once said, always be yourself, unless you can be Batman. Always be Batman. While neither of us are Terry McGinnis and will likely never be Batman, we can live vicariously through him in his many comic adventures. Welcome to Bat Books for Beginners. My name is John. My name is Dylan. And today we have Emperor Joker, which is the next story following back, uh, Search for Oracle, or Hunt for Oracle, that's what it was. As normal, we start off with our summary. The villainous murderer Superman escapes his bonds and breaks out of prison. As he leaps over the wall, the warden contacts Bizarro, who flies from the JLA headquarters to intercept the dastardly foe. In the fray, Superman crashes through the office window of Lois Lane, billionaire businesswoman, followed by Bizarro. Lois and Clark share a moment as if a long-lost memory nearly resurfaces, but is sunk back down to the murky depths as Lois sticks her dogs, Hope and Mercy, on soups. The fighting spills into the harbor, where Aquaman attempts to intervene but is frozen solid by Bizarro's frost vision. Bizarro subdues Clark and drops the evildoer back in prison. Elsewhere in the city, Mr. Mixoplicked Attempts to get to Superman, but is constantly interrupted by seemingly random slapstick gags. In a chapel, Matrix, now a nun, manifests flaming angel wings after a vision of Superman. Superman once again escapes his bonds, and in his retreat, Lois rescues him in a helicopter. She takes him to a private medical chamber, and as she leaves the room, activates a force field. Soups tries to escape, but is electrocuted by the barrier. As he cries in pain, Lois feels a disturbance for which he can find no reason. Elsewhere, an attempt to exercise Matrix leads to her escape. Bizarro receives intel that Lois has Superman. Lois discovers this, and after a kiss of passion, she releases Superman. As he escapes, Bizarro once again intercepts Superman with the assistance of Scorch. Matrix appears to Soup, but is stomped Monty Python-style by Turtle Boy, who proceeds to drop Soups into his hungry mouth. Lois, in her headquarters, hears an anguished scream that rocks her to the very core. Superman comes to aboard the SS Arkham, being washed off and in the care of JLA member Schism. Soups is sent to a ward for those who believe that 2 plus 2 always equals 4. There he meets an engineer, Hank Aaron Irons, espousing scientific formulas. The engineer, who is wearing glasses, reminds Soups that he too once wore glasses. The duo escapes and comes across a suit of armor, sparking the memory in irons as he dismantles the armor and dons it. Once the GLA member's bounty appears on the scene and starts to shoot at irons, the bullets are dispatched by Soup's heat vision. Just as Iron finishes putting on the armor, Bizarro arrives. Soup's distracts Bizarro by claiming that irons is acting perfectly irrationally, and irons knocks Bizarro through several buildings. Mixel plicked. Meanwhile, is nearly hit by a train, but is saved by one of the buildings Bizarro has been hit through, landing on the train. He appears before Soups and Irons, and tells them that the answer to their question can be found on the JLA base on the moon, before a 10,000 ton weight falls on him. The duo are, are scooped up by Lois Lane in a vehicle, and thrown into the SS Arkham, which they take over. 
A burger shop in Metropolis is smashed by fighting between the Justice League and a warped version of the JLA we all know and love. A young man proclaims that he is quitting, only to turn around and see that the shop has been completely rebuilt. This angers him to the point of smashing the concrete, and he realizes that he has super strength. Aboard the SS Arkham, Soups and Irons fly to the moon base and encounter the villain Ignition. Ignition promises to take care of Lois, which enrages Superman, causing him to regain some memories as he punches Ignition into the moon's surface. Onto the moon's surface. Mixelplik appears and sparks the rest of Superman's memories. Mixelplik reveals that he no longer has his own powers, and that the person in control, the person who reshaped all of reality, is the Joker. Emperor Joker. As Joker sits on his throne, surrounded by a menagerie of villains, Superman, Irons, and Mixelplik fly the JLA moon base spaceship towards Earth, barely escaping ignition. On Earth, Matrix is attacked by Joker bats, but saved by Superboy. Bizarro reports to Emperor Joker that Superman and several of the inmates have escaped. Lex Luthor questions Joker's methods, and an enraged Joker murders all of China, making a horribly offensive pun. Superman crashes in Kansas with Lois on the scene. Mixelplik reveals that he was going to give the Joker only a portion of his power to cause some more chaos, when the Joker tricked Mixelplik into revealing his secret name and stole 99.9% .9 of the imp's power. Superman hatches a plan to reunite Earth's mightiest heroes. We are treated to the twisted new origins of the once great heroes, except for Batman's location, which Mixelplik won't reveal. Superman enters the now villain's den and is attacked. Superboy and Matrix appear, and Superboy tries to beat Superman, who ends up saving them all. The villains are told they were heroes, and after a rousing speech, Superman's old red and blue costume appears on him. The villains remain unsure, but Supes asks them to at least consider what he has said. Joker, watching, laughs at what he, is, what he sees as a failed attempt, but Luther corrects him, saying that the one thing the heroes need to topple the Joker is hope. Joker doesn't take kindly to this and shoots Luther in the head. Superman, Matrix, Superboy, and Lois infiltrate Joker City, and after sharing a kiss with Supes, Lois goes off on her own. The remaining three encounter Joker's defenses, and Superboy and Matrix are incapacitated. Lois, meanwhile, hand-delivers Steel to Joker, offering to make a business proposition. Superman finds Batman, only to discover that he is dead. Supes buries Batman, but Batman crawls from the grave. Meanwhile, in Hell, Superboy and Matrix sell their souls to the Devil in return to passage back to Earth. Batman and Superman team up to fight a horde of, in a Sisyphusian task. Jo Superboy and Supergirl wish themselves back into the Joker's reality and appear in their regular costumes in front of Bats and Supes. Mixelplex appears as well before a gigantic Roman Emperor-style Joker appears, dropping Lois to Superman and summoning both his Justice League and the distorted version of our heroes into an arena for an all-out brawl. While this is going on, Mixelplex teleports himself and the awakened heroes inside of Joker's soul. Lois reveals a ring of kryptonite weakening Superman, and more importantly, destroying his will. Joker teleports the awakened heroes and Lois into his throne room, turning the heroes to various animals and Mixelplex into Sludge, declaring that it, was, it is time to destroy the universe. Joker, giving Batman the clockwork orange treatment, creates a world where Superman, through folly, kills everyone close to him. Superman, however, figures out the game and takes himself out of the fight, ending the program and sending Supes into the astral realm to meet the Spectre. 
The Spectre informs Supes that what Joker is doing will destroy the universe and he must be stopped before the Spectre succumbs to the Joker's will. The Joker restarts the program, but instead of the events breaking Supes, he has a breakthrough. The Twisted Justice League, meanwhile, watching the program, are themselves transformed back to their regular outfits and personalities. In an assault on the Joker's lair, the Justice League are handily defeated, and Joker captures Supes and Bats. They are hung up on a wall, bound, with Batman's mouth melted and Superman blinded. Batman is able to communicate a plan using Morse code to Superman by clicking his jaw. Just as Bats finishes, a swarm of buzzers descend upon Batman and tear him asunder, just as they have every night, in a truly Promethean manner of torture, with Supes being forced to listen to it helplessly. Elsewhere, the Riddler meets with Enigma and convinces him that the Joker is going to destroy everything. The Riddler ha- then enlists in Ignition, Bizarro, and Lex Luthor, who tries to convince Lois Lane to talk him out of it. Harley, meanwhile, asks Joker why he would destroy the universe. The Joker claims that in doing this, he will leave behind a clean quiet universe where people like the Joker won't ever come into existence. The Joker then, in an act of mercy, blinks Harley out of his existence and turns her into a constellation. Just as the Joker marvels at his creation, Ignition blindsides him with a shot, seemingly vaporizing him. The villains declare themselves rulers. Empress Lane, meanwhile, goes to Superman and begs him to stop Joker before a gigantic Joker comes and stomps on Superman and picks Lois up. Superman flies up through the Joker's forehead catching Lois Lane on the way up, who turns back to her regular self before dying in Soup's arms from a punctured lung. The Joker then appears and smacks Superman in his face. Mix emerges from Ignition's back, saying that they have an agreement, before teleporting himself out to where the Superman is in space, informing Superman that he has to figure out what the Joker's rules are. Joker appears, flicks Mix into a non-existence, and puts his fist through Superman. Superman then utters White Elephants, alluding to how Joker, for all his power, couldn't put Batman out of existence, as Batman is the only reason Joker has for existing. Joker attempts to will Batman out of existence, but can't. This crushes Joker and causes Mix to regain his power. Mix will protect, sets the universe right, but Batman, having experienced innumerable deaths, is broken. He employs Spectre to do something to undo the suffering Bruce has gone through but Spectre states that he can only give the pain to someone else. Superman agrees to take Batman's suffering from the, him. Joker, meanwhile, is in, back in his cell in New York, bound and repeating Emperor Joker backwards over and over again. Red Ram! Red Ram! So that, that uh, ends our conclusion there for Emperor Joker. And, uh, as normal, we go straight into our our notes section. Uh, first up in our notes section, Superman 160. There's a tag at the end that says, Be here next week where anything can happen and something does. Which I found humorous. Uh, you would find that humorous. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting the uh, there, there, Pat. From yes, Dylan. yeah. Uh, the humor in this, uh, this series. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Oh, yes, we will. In Adventurer 582, we have Sage Sagitious. Sagitious? It's it's based off Sage, so I think it's Sagacious. Sagacious? Having or shown keen mental discernment and good judgment, or being shrewd. 
Um, also in uh, Adventures 582, we have a reference to Superman <clears throat> for the quest for peace, but of course in Joker's world it is Bizarro for quest for war. So they're making fun of or playing off of the old Superman movies. I don't know how old that was at this point. Wasn't that a 90s movie? Was it 90s? It, it or late had, 80s? It had to be late 80s or very, very early 90s. Okay, well, I guess it was old at this point because this was 2000. Yeah, uh, at least a decade old. But it was the most recent Superman movie at the time. Yeah. All right, in Man of Steel 104, uh, we have V equals lambda F, which is the equation for relationship of frequency, wavelength, which is lambda, and phase velocity. Which is the V. So we, uh, what we really have here is this is where Steel comes in, and he's spouting off these uh, um, equations, and that's why he's in SS Arkham is because they're treating him as if he's insane, or rather, I guess, sane. Yeah, the, it's kind of everything's turned on its head, so the insane asylum becomes the sane asylum, I guess, yes. or the uh, genius asylum, as it were. Um, there's a couple more uh, scientific formulas that are in this episode as well. P equals W divided by T, which is power. The rate of doing work is equal to watts per unit of time. P equals FD divided by T, which is power, force, times, distance, divided by time. So kind of a derivation from the previous one. And then you have E sub K equals one-half MV squared, which is the equation for kinetic energy of a mass due to its motion. In uh, Emperor Joker uh, 1, which is only Emperor Joker 1. Yeah, that's the only one of it. Uh, Superman paraphrases John F. Kennedy from his 1961 inaugural address as President of the United States to the, uh, when when he's talking to the warped, twisted Justice League, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I was wondering if you were going to try and say it in that... Uh, uh, Bostonian accent. Yeah, exactly. That that Kennedy, yeah. Ask not what your country can do for you. Uh, you, you you're too hard on the R for four. Four? It seems to be four. Four? Uh, ask not what your country can do for you. I was too hard on the U, I think, as yeah. well. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> we, won't, we won't butcher uh, Boston accents anymore. Uh, all right, so uh, Adventures 583, we have uh, pop culture references of Spice Girls. Who wants to be a millionaire touched by an angel? Uh, that was actually in Action 770, oh, but yeah. uh, rather than uh, split those, I just put them all together. So those were all relatively recent things at this time. Yep, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, Spice Girl song, I looked it up, was 96. I forget when Who Wants to Be a Millionaire debuted, but it, it was somewhere after that, I think. And then, I don't know the dates for Touched by an Angel, but it was in the late 90s. I remember my mom liked to watch that show. Yeah. Uh, then action seven seventy, song. Okay, I'm gonna try this. It's gonna be hilarious. Somnambulistic. Uh, that's is, pretty close. Which is uh, sleepwalking. Yeah. So uh, I forget who was sleepwalking. I usually put context notes, and I didn't on this one. <laughs> um, so that's the end of our our notes section. Now we'll jump into the talking points. Here we'll start with the bad things. Um, I thought Bizarro was a bad point to this story, and I believe you agreed with me, right? Dylan? Yes, I, I'm not a fan of Bizarro in general. Uh, his history is all sorts of screwy, and there's like Bizarro 1, Bizarro 2, Bizarro 3. He's never been a good character in my view, uh, and the biggest thing that, that we both agreed on here, though, is that the backwards speak, or the uh, reverse speak, is extremely annoying, and it was extremely inconsistent. It, it wasn't annoying to me so much as the inconsistencies was the problem. So, 
if every word was reversed, then you could, you know, go through and maybe you'd have to write it out or something like that to know what it was. But they would just pick keywords to reverse. So you had to kind of decipher by the context what he was actually saying. And that It's always been a headache for me when Bizarro's involved because you're trying to figure out what he's saying. It's always just made it arduous for me. It's not something I've ever enjoyed. So I, I would find him very similar to the puppet guy from Batman, which I can't Scarface. remember. Scarface. thank you. You always have a hard time remembering Scarface. I can picture him, but I can't remember yeah. the name. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, but uh, where a silly story with him works, but when you try and put him into a serious story like this one, it just it becomes a distraction to me. Agreed 100%. Um, another thing is when he had his chain broken, which he has, you know, the Bizarro number one, Chain, a little emblem around his neck with a chain. Superman broke the chain and Bizarro ran away. Which, which made no sense to me. Yeah, for at first I thought maybe his power was somehow inside that chain and, and emblem, and so once it was broken he had no power. But he Superman hands him back the pieces, and then he flies off, and then he comes back later and he's just fine. So I'm not sure that his power is tied up in that I don't think that it is. I think it's, you know, it's it's bizarre. Well, I guess it's fitting with his name, then. <laughs> Alright, the next one is uh, Mixelplik. And I, neither of us really cared for him. It, it, especially his portrayal. Just like with Bizarro, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's much better in a silly story. He's not great for a dark story. I would say he's like a change of pace from... Like, you you have the regular, well, I guess now what would we see most often in the New 52 with the darker stories and the more serious stories. To me, he would be like a change of pace story. Like, you just finished a, a heavy arc, and so Mixelplik shows up and, and gives you kind of a light story or two, or issue or two story that uh, you can kind of recharge and then jump back into another heavy story. Yeah, and Yeah, and it's just one of those kind of weird characters that, it, came, it definitely came from a different time and different era that somehow survived through the time as a, a reusable entity. Yeah, in, in this particular story, we're told that he has this ultimate power, but he doesn't use it. Well, so He didn't use it because it was stolen. Well, no. We're told he has this ultimate power in this story. In this story, it gets stolen by, by the Joker. But if you look at what he's done in the past, he doesn't use his ultimate power. He uses just a very small portion of it. Oh, he's not—he's not even a really malicious character. He's just a really annoying prankster. He's not like—he's closer to a, a, a prankster god than an actual malevolent entity. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. I mean, that—that's why I—I I think he's kind of very similar to Q from Star Trek: The Next Generation. I agree with that. Yeah, Q. Well, Q's been shown to be even more like not directly to the crew of the Enterprise, but to like other existences and other like entire species and solar systems wiping them out at will. I never got the impression that Q did that. I got the impression that he could and that other members of the Q continuum may have, but he seemed very focused on just being a pest of a card. There's at one point and I'm trying to go off memory, he like he was slighted by some some species or something he completely eradicates their entire solar system with, like, crushing them in his hand or blowing them away from his hand or something like that. But, yeah, no, he Q's very much a pest character, and Mixelplix is very much similar. Yeah, I, I don't really think there's much more to say about Mixelplix. I mean, 
I didn't particularly care for him, and we've outlined why. So yeah. I guess we'll move on to the next piece, which is the uh, tone of the story. And this is all me. I don't think you agree with me on this one. But uh, for me, it seemed to go from very silly to very serious at the drop of a hat. And it, I just didn't like that sudden change. It just seemed, didn't seem to have a consistent tone. It, it would go even like between issue to issue, go from really silly to really serious. I didn't really see that. I mean, it seemed fairly steadily toned. I mean, I could tell it's kind of split into two halves. The first four issues, you don't see Joker at all, and then you kind of get the reveal at the end of end of the last uh, issue of that half that the Joker is the one running this universe. And then it he's, of course, a part of the rest of the story going from there. There maybe is a slight tone shift there in the fact that the first half, it's it's a lot of misdirection, but... It didn't. See, it seemed to me like a, a pretty good mix of humor as well as a serious story for the most part. I I disagree. I thought it was you know it just didn't feel evenly toned to me. It felt jagged, and I didn't enjoy it. Okay, fair, fair enough. Last one we have for the bad points is ignition. Now, one thing I want to mention is as far as the character goes, I thought he was a really cool character. I I didn't really have a feeling one way or the other. He was just a big guy in all black who had some sort of firepower. I mean... Yeah. So so he's introduced here in this story, and it's hinted at uh, his he operates outside of Joker's reality, and that he Joker doesn't really know where he came from. He kind of you know came into Joker's reality without Joker willing him to be, or, or transferring him from a different villain analog that we got. We got a few of those for, and we got some like newly created ones in the Joker verse, but Ignition they even like they make this point to mention that he doesn't exist in outside this universe, but he somehow survived the transition into this universe, and then it's never fought, really followed up again. He just kind of drops off the face of reality as far as you know the use he gets in comic books. Well, the last thing we saw of him in this was when he blindsided the Joker. Right after that, we pretty much don't see him again. Yeah, well, uh, we we did a little research on it too, and that's what I'm referring to is like after the story, he's still in in the regular existence, but he's not really utilized or explained anymore. Well, I didn't feel like he was very well utilized in this story. I mean, he was he, he seemed more like the more of the misdirection that we were speaking of because he seemed to always be fighting against the heroes. But if he's not a part of Joker's reality, why is he fighting against the heroes? Exactly. I mean, it, I don't know. It just seemed really uh, like a character that had a lot of potential to me that then just never got used again. A one-shot character that was far more interesting than, like, Mixelplex. Well, I mean, he's definitely a lot different than Mixelplex. I mean, he's a straight-up, what would be a straight-up villain versus being a silly character. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can see why you're more interested in him than you are in, in the other two, because you don't particularly care for the silly villains. Yeah. Um, but... I was honestly not impressed by him. Like he, he didn't seem to be anything special. It just seemed to be another heavy hitter villain of some origin. Yeah. And so it's not surprising to me that he kind of got dropped after this story because he didn't seem to make any kind of impression on me. Okay, I mean, I think it's a, a difference of opinion there. One of those agree to disagree type deals. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you would like to see this character continue on. Very much. So. I, I would have loved to see this heavy hitter, dark fire character with no real history be explained eventually, but he never does in, like, all of the history of the comic books. Or at least what we could find. Yeah, so. 
So that, that ends our uh, bad points, and we are heading on to our good thing, things that we enjoyed about the story. Uh, first one would be Superman. And John asked the question if he was too powerful for this story. And the reason I say that is um, basically at the end of the story, we're shown that he could uh, take the memories that, and the experiences of Batman, and yet he's just fine. But Batman was apparently going through a psychotic break and wasn't going to be fine even after the universe was restored. So, to me, that seems a little too powerful. I mean, if you look at the rest of the story, he's kind of not... He doesn't know his powers, and then eventually he gets them back, and then he's kind of portrayed as we normally see Superman portrayed, which some would say is too powerful anyway, but that didn't bother me. It was just that end of the story that he that they're basically saying that Clark has more... Uh, psychological strength of Batman, which I would definitely disagree with, because as we we know, Batman has no actual physical powers like Superman does. So he has to be more mentally strong and more prepared and all that stuff to to accomplish what he does. So I would think that if anyone would be able to handle this sort of thing, it should be Batman. But in this story, we're I mean, obviously this came out of the Superman books, so I I guess you could say that they write it more towards Superman and less towards Batman, but even with that, it just seems, it just doesn't ring true to me that Superman would have the mental, or Clark, would have the mental ability to handle what Batman couldn't handle. I, I agree with you, and I, well, I think it would depend going forward. If they betrayed Superman going through kind of darker urges, uh, self-doubt, and future issues, then yeah, I think it would be fitting, but to my knowledge, they don't. Well, we get a little bit at the end where he just goes and picks up Lois and kind of basically says, I wanted to see you after what the hard time I've been through. But he doesn't seem all down about it. He seems fairly happy. You know, there's a Marvel character, I want to say it's Cyclops, who uh, he, he gets interfered with by Dr. Sinister, Mr. Sinister, and it ha- it has a marked change on his personality going forward. He ha- goes through a dark period, and he's very well portrayed as someone who's had a very traumatic experience. Would that be around the Madeline Pryor thing? I want to say it's after Madeline Pryor. Well, because didn't Sinister create Madeline Pryor? Yeah, yeah, but this is separate from Madeline Pryor. Oh, okay. Um, or Gambit, another X-Men, who becomes the Horseman of Death, and then after Apocalypse is defeated, he kind of goes through a period where he has to recover who he was as Gambit. Yeah, I mean, not to talk a, I mean, I a lot about you. Marvel here, but I, I see what you're saying, and yeah, it would have been good if we got that for Superman going forward, but it sounds like we probably didn't. Yeah, now, we, we put this under the good things because there's many more good things in this than just the bad things, so I don't think, don't, don't think there are good things or just more negative points. Yeah, that was just the one piece of the Superman... Uh, Superman part of the story that we didn't care for. So one of the good things that we did like was that he kept getting re-energized by his friends and colleagues. And also, I guess this kind of can speak to what we were just saying about if he was really that mentally strong, he wouldn't really need his friends and colleagues to give him a pick-me-up. Yeah. He he is able to get basically be inspired by and then in turn inspire his colleagues. All uh, the Justice League, the actual Justice League, not the uh, twisted, ver- oh, you know, not the Joker's League of uh, Anarchy, is what we got. Uh, instead, we get you know the goofy caricatures of of our regular heroes get 
transform towards the end back into the heroes we know and love because he inspired them. But also when he meets Supergirl for the first time, where she's all angeled out with fiery wings and what have you, it kind of inspires him and makes him strong again. Yeah, I mean, this happened multiple times with Supergirl, Superboy, Steel, Lois, um, uh, Justice League. So I really like that aspect of the story. It was a good way of making it a roller coaster story reasonably. Like, it it didn't feel like it was a constant uphill uh, improvement, but it also didn't feel like it was contrived uh, ways to, to bring Superman back down. Yeah, it wasn't quite... Well, it was kind of Sisyphus, like, in that he's having to push the boulder up the hill, but instead of the boulder rolling back down, you look at me, you know what that means, right? I I, I understand. I'm trying Sisyphus. to figure out where the rest of this metaphor is going. He, he, instead of... He's pushing the boulder up the hill, and he stumbles once, and, you know, that's one of the points we talked about, where when Lois betrays him, the Joker gets a little more powerful, and he loses a little bit of that steam he had going. But he's able to continue to push that boulder up the hill. Instead of it rolling back down, he's able to, to crest the hill, as it were. See, I, I I don't see it that way. I don't see the stumble as kind of a pause and he keeps going. I see would see the stumble as then the boulder rolled back down the hill and he goes and pushes it back up again. Yeah. Entirely. So if you want to really metaphor it to the Sisyphus story, I would say each time that he, he loses faith uh, it is when the boulder rolls back down the hill and he has to start again. Yeah. Not, so, not partway, I mean, I, like, I all the way stumble, down the hill. Yeah, I, when I said stumble, that's what I kind of meant. I didn't want to... Okay. It sounded like you said he, like, stumbled, just kind of held pace there for a little bit, and then continued no, 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 on. No, 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 Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't portray that accurately, but yeah. So, yeah. Sisyphus. Go read about it, kids. That's uh, what, Greek? That yeah, is Greek mythology. I mean, I got to make two Greek mythology references this time. Prometheus. Uh, pr- yeah. And Sisyphus. Very good. <laughs> Anything more about Superman? I don't know. I, I thought it was a good portrayal of Superman overall. I like that it was kind of a faith or a a faith in his friends and faith in those he loves kind of story that I, lifted him up. I think it definitely portrayed the human side of him well. Yes, agreed. Uh, or as much as you can say human. I mean, we know he's Kryptonian, but his his. Uh, personality, not necessarily his powers, is yes. probably the better way to put it. Yes. Um, and so I definitely did like that. I also really like the black suit. I know that's kind of the... Death when of he's Superman. not... Well, it, it is very similar to that suit, <laughs> but I'm saying, like, the, in this story, it's when he's not himself that he's wearing the black suit. The black and silver. Yeah, but I did like that suit. Uh, just yeah, personal it, preference. It looks cool. Yeah. Admittedly, it does look cool. All right, next one we have is Batman. Um, I definitely like that there were lasting repercussions for Batman, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit in the Superman point, where he, from his being tortured by the Joker for as long as he was, we don't really know how long this went on. I mean, we we know it lasted at least three or four nights just within this story, because in the first couple of issues, you'll get a, just a unexplained scream. I think that happened two times, and then I think there were two more times after we knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're shown, and we're implied that this has been going on for quite a while before this. So the the lasting effects of what the Joker did to Batman, you know, even after the universe was put back right, he wasn't going to be okay. Yeah, he's a man who suffered innumerable deaths every night over and over. Or at least one death every night. Oh, well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, he suffered innumerable deaths, comma, 
every night for an indeterminate amount of time. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that he was very, it was very cool to see him portrayed as a man. A lot of times we get in discussion or through portrayal that Batman is some invincible, you know, magical man with all, with no superpowers, but all the superpowers in the world at the same time. He's indefeatable. He can plan for anything, but actually having him suffer through something psychological is pretty impactful. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting that, and I, I realize that this is probably because this was a Superman story, that he was fairly ineffectual throughout the entire story until the very end. Um, like, he couldn't get out of this nightmare for the Joker. Like, he couldn't plan for it. And I don't know if that has to do with just the fact that the Joker had these reality-changing uh, powers, and so there really is no way that Batman can win because Joker can just change whatever he's doing. You know, if he found something that would work, Joker can just change reality so that it doesn't work. I mean, I, I guess that you could say that's the reason for it. it that it, makes sense, yeah. But we do see towards the end of the story that he is actually still fighting and still capable of being useful, like what you mentioned in the summary with the uh, Morse code, even when his mouth is uh, melted or sewn shut, however... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's melted a la Deadpool from the X-Men Wolverine Origins, it looks like. Okay, I, I haven't read that story. It's a movie. Oh, okay. The, the Wolverine, I, I try to forget that movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, the portrayal of Deadpool alone is enough to want to forget it. But, yeah, you know, he has his mouth melted shut. And you can kind of see, like, gaps in it, but for the most part, it's completely melted shut. Yeah, it wasn't perfect. That's why he could uh, click his jaw and do the, the Morse code to Superman. Um, Which is something I like, because it showed the resourcefulness of Batman, even in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like the portrayal was absolutely horrible for Batman, but it was definitely... Def, everything was definitely slanted towards Superman in this story, being that it was a Superman story. Agreed. One of those key things, though, that I did like was the uh, this story really captured Batman and Superman's friendship. I mean, Batman's a little bit of a, a not the nicest friend in the world. I mean, he we kind of see this at the end where Superman takes him to New York to see if he has any memories uh, of what happened when they go visit Joker in his cell. And he's like, you. Two men says, "I had a hunch. You have those." He's like, I don't have hunches. You know, I I make deductions, and I'm, I'm right. And I'm right. And and uh, there's nothing going on here. And next time you have a hunch, go bother somebody else. Yeah. So I mean, he, he's a little bit brusque. Brusque, and he, he's kind of. It kind of reminded me of. I mean, a lot of people probably are familiar with this. You have that friend who really isn't the the most overtly friendly person in the world, but you know that if they really need something, they'll come to you, or if, or if you really need something, you can go to them. And they're still your friend, but from the outside, you almost kind of look like you fight a lot or you're enemies. And that's kind of how I see the Batman-Superman friendship in this. Yeah, it's a very close relationship, but it's a very personal relationship for those two. And it's something that you know outsiders looking in wouldn't get. Right, and, and I think they captured that really well. And this is something, I mean... I haven't really been. I've been reading Superman in the New Fifty Two, but I have been reading Batman, and we really haven't seen much of Superman and Batman interacting in New Fifty Two. So I would say that this is something that's kind of been lost in the New Fifty Two. Um, I mean, someone can correct me if if there are stories. I mean, I guess the new Superman and Batman title that's been going for a while might might ha capture that better. But uh, at least in the Batman titles, we haven't seen 
Superman uh, much at all. Agreed. So uh, let's move on to the Joker. Uh, I I think we both thought he was very well portrayed in this. He had a very sinister kind of personality. Now, well, I mean, take, take our comments from No Man's Land, and that Joker that we like to see, I feel like, is the one we got here. You know, he's he's sadistic. He's got a sense of, a unique sense of humor. I mean, it, it sounds like you didn't really care for it in the in this particular yeah. story, but the humor's there, the sadisticness is there, the intelligence is there for the most part. I mean, well, intelligent enough to steal Mixelplik's powers. So, I mean, I, yeah. I guess it's all there. I mean, I, I feel like the the two stories since we've started doing Bat Books for Beginners, we have seen the Joker portrayed the way that I like to see the Joker portrayed. Uh, now, you said uh, you, you're not a fan of how uh, him not being able to get rid of Batman was his Achilles' heel. Though. Yeah, the way his the power Mixelplik's power was taken from the Joker. I felt was very contrived, and I really didn't like it. It's it's ba- basically all Superman did was point out, "Hey, you can't get rid of Batman," so he tries to get rid of Batman. And then Batman's suddenly everywhere, and uh, this causes. I think I read somewhere this causes him to have a psychotic break, and he loses the power, and Mixelplik gets it back. I don't know. It just seemed very convenient and very contrived, and. There was this talk about rules, you know, figure out what the Joker's rules are. Like, for Mixelplik, you get him to say his name backwards, that makes him go away. That's his rule. It didn't seem like Joker had any rules. Like, they kept harping on it towards the end about, you got to figure out Joker's rules. And apparently his rules are, make me try and get rid of Batman, which I just did not like. I, d- I definitely thought that was a poor poor way to end the story. I-, I can agree with you to a point. I think it was clever that he did the white elephants, which is the reason we mentioned white elephants is if you mention, sell someone not to think about white elephants, that's all they're going to think about. So um, it's one of those deals where he could not think of Batman now. It was basically stuck in his head. I've always kind of liked the idea of Batman and Joker, dep- really the Joker, depending on the existence of Batman to really be able to function. Otherwise, he has no purpose. Like, Batman is the reason for his purpose. Um, but, yeah, I, I can agree that it didn't. F- it felt kind of hasty and rushed. Yeah. I, it didn't I, feel like a great ending to a story. I mean, the, the after effects kind of won me over, but that actual ending was, was a very much a bad point for me, despite how well the Joker was portrayed during the rest of the story. Okay. One more point here on the Joker. Uh, I thought it was rather interesting philosophical idea that he really couldn't control the power. If he really could have controlled the power, he could have got rid of Batman, I guess. Is... I, I think it, I don't think it's so much he couldn't control the power. It's just that even with all this power, he couldn't stop being the Joker. He couldn't stop being who he is. Part of who he is, like I mentioned earlier, is the Batman is a large part of who the Joker is. So I think it's... Uh, I don't think it's a power thing as much as it's a psychology thing for the Joker. I, I guess. I mean, I, I can see I can see your point. I still kind of feel like if he really, truly could control the power, then he could have gotten rid of the Batman. Okay. So, I mean, and it, it kind of just... No one came and took the power from him. He just kind of lost it. So, yeah. to me, that kind of is more uh, a point in my favor on this because... How do you just lose a power? Like, even if you can't do something and maybe you're not the, you know, absolute end-all being of, of all reality, you shouldn't just lose that power because you can't do something. I, I, I just kind of assumed it was an off-panel thing, which leads back to me thinking that the ending felt kind of rushed. 
they just they took care of all that mess off panel. I, and I agree. I don't think that's the best way they could have done it. I think they definitely could have done it better, but that's the way they decided to go with it. And I think that'll reflected my rating for it at least. Okay, well, that was the last we had for for talking points. So I guess we'll go jump into final thoughts here. Go ahead and give us batterings. Well, give us your final thoughts, and okay, then we'll do okay. the rating. So my thoughts are it once again it definitely the humor being played up was not my taste in humor at all. So that's going to negatively affect my thoughts on it. I thought the ending was okay. It wasn't a horrible ending. Like It definitely was not flawless. As we mentioned, it had its rush points. All in all, not a huge fan, but I could definitely see the appeal of it. So I'd give it a 3.5 batterings, 3.5 batterings. All right. Um, I will echo sort of what you said. I mean, I did enjoy the humor. It wasn't the best humor I've ever read, but it... It was fitting for the story. It wasn't really bad. I mean, there were a couple groaners, but I mean, I thought the the humor was was good, not great, and so that that's about the only difference. Like I've already just said about the ending, how I didn't care for how they took the power away, but then the after effects on Batman that that then Clark is able to take for him and show you know his really deep friendship with with Batman. I think that kind of redeemed the story for me. So, I mean, it was on the way to being maybe a 2, and then that kind of brings it back. So I would say also uh, 3.5 out of 5 batterings. So together we agree on a 3.5 out of 5 batterings for this story. So we'll go ahead and uh, leave you some contact information here. If you'd like to give us comments on this episode or just how we've been doing on Bat Books for Beginners in general, please go to thebatmanuniverse.net and find the Bat Books for Beginners page and leave your comments on the episode, and we will use those on a future episode. Um, if you would like to hear more of what we do... We have another podcast called Arc Reactions Podcast, and you can find us at arcreactionspodcast.blogspot.com. And that podcast it follows the same format as this one. We just cover um, a variety of superhero and non-superhero stories on that one. So, for the credits, this story ran from September to October 2000. Uh, Superman 160 to 161 was written by Jeff Loeb. Artist was Ed McGinnis. Editors were, were Maureen McTeague. McTeague? Maureen McTeague, Eddie Barganza, and Mike Carlin, who was the executive editor. Adventures of Superman 582 and 583, writer J.M. Dematis, artist Mike Miller, editors Maureen McTeague was the associate, and Eddie Berganza was the main editor. Man of Steel 104 through 105, written by Mark Schultz, artist Doug Mankey, and editors Maureen McTeague, who was the associate editor, and Eddie Berganza. Uh, action 769 and 770, writer Joe Kelly, artist Kano, re- editors Eddie Berganza and Mike Carlin was the executive. And then Emperor Joker number one was written by Joe Kelly and Jeff Loeb, artist Duncan Ro- Role, Rolo, Rolo, Todd Nock, Carlo Barberi, and Scott McDaniel, and editors were Maureen McTeague, who was the associate editor, and Eddie Berganza. All right. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back next time with, uh, what was the next arc? It will be Batman Evolution, which happens just after No Man's Land. All right. See you next time.